on your on your ride up north at your new job do you are you listening to anything to hey. podcasts just us over and over again just us yeah <laughs> that's you is it even is it old episodes or is it just the newest episode just on repeat just, uh no it's you're just constantly berating yourself you're literally lashing yourself as you're driving no it's uh i i just started listening to a new podcast called it's like by bbc news and it's their history podcast wait you see so you're you're listening to you're actually listening to a, a, a different podcast than us yeah yeah i listen to like That's... I thought I thought we had something. There's like nine podcasts that I we never said we were exclusive. I thought we had something special. We do have something special, but you know I'm just a little young to be tied down to one podcast. I feel like we've been a podcast for two years. I thought that doesn't. Do I have to explain it? Do I have to spell it out? I think communication and podcasting is very important. I I have to reevaluate some things. I have to <laughs> I have to call my mother. Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew, and you are listening to Episodic Memories, the only show where uninformed people talk about television on the internet. It's the only one. Yes. Everybody else is so informed when it comes to television, and, and you know, it's nice to hear the layman's point of view when it comes to TV. Sitting across from me, it's the president of television himself, Mark Gonzalez. How did we land you as a guest? I don't know. You seem like you're very. I'm a very consistent guest. It seems. I don't. I don't understand how your schedules keep lining up with ours. Yeah. But here you are again. It's like good to see you. Good to be here. Like Steve Martin, everybody thinks that I was a cast member. <laughs> I just. I just no, was a frequent just... guest. Under your platform as president of television, what changes have you made in this now your third term as president of television? Uh, more hoity. More hoity. Double the toity. Ooh. Now, you divided your base on that one. Yeah. I, and I, I, they wanted me to focus only on the hoity, but I said I, I got this position on, on the toity. We can be more than hoity. We can be toity. Oh, boo. I know, I know, Ooh. it's a strong stance to take, but I believe in us, and I believe in the system of renewals and cancellations for broadcast television. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. If you keep trying, let's keep rocking and rolling. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop. It'll soon be here. That was my campaign song. Yeah, which was uh, after. Your if Hillary runs, do you think she'll be obligated to pick a different Fleetwood Mac song, like um, Tusk, Landslide? Yeah, or Dreams. Yes, <laughs> I think so. I feel like she. It would be a mistake not to. I, yeah, you have to go. Yeah, I, it's it's already in, in ingrained that yeah. the Clintons are associated so heavily with Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully she goes with the Smashing Pumpkins version of Landslide. That would be good, yeah. It's a lot of covers of that song. Dixie, it's a good song. It's a good song, but uh yeah, every time I'd hear it on the radio, it was always somebody different covering that song. Yeah. It's like the Dixie Chicks had a version, another couple other versions. Mark, how's your week been? How you been doing? Did you I've watch been... anything on the 
on your on your uh, your land that you govern on television <laughs> in te- in TV land. TV land, not to be confused with network te- TV land. No, which y- is a completely sovereign nation <laughs> compared to the rest of television. We do not acknowledge the existence of TV land. Mm. There's been a lot of dispute over that border between uh, yeah. Versus and TV Land because they butt up against each other right on the cable system. We're, it's, a, it's a hop on issue, and we're we're just not gonna, we're not going to legislate for <laughs> TV Land. <laughs> What's happening there is happening there, and they're going to get it all sorted out. Okay. Uh, I did watch. This was a while ago, but I did it watch. Was truly hot in Cleveland. There. Yes. Yes. I did watch um, the Netflix original series. But it's not really an original series. The, the the fourth season of The Killing on Netflix. Oh, okay. Did I tell you about this? Did you see this? Did you talk about this? The Killing always seems like it got a bum rap because everyone always says the first season was really good, and then it was the finale was dumb, and then yeah. they changed course, they changed showrunners, and they're like, "Fuck, we got to fix this." And so then the second season happened and then the third season happened i didn't hear much about it and i was surprised that is netflix only airing the fourth season or no they paid for it that's incredible to me they did it all which was i want to okay so go ahead okay well the first season of the killing was it was good it was really unique and i loved the look i loved the actors um but the problem is the whole show is about this one killing and i think they're 13 episodes that sounds right for AMC, right? The whole first season of this, all 13 episodes of this first show, first season of The Killing, are about this girl dying, and you get to the end, and they don't tell you who the murderer was. Well, that's what ruined Twin Peaks, isn't it? You could, I, I think Twin Peaks got a lot more interesting when they solved that first murder, and then they were, it was like David Lynch was off the chain <laughs> and could just do whatever weird nonsense he Frickin'. wanted. Yeah. So then you get to the second season, and you're like, okay, I want this murder to be solved. I'm tired of this. And so it's another 13 episodes before you find out who the killer was. Mm-hmm. Third season comes along. It's just one story. It's still 13 episodes. You find out who the killer was. It's not terribly surprising, but it was good. Mm-hmm. This one, six episodes. One, ki- one killing. It's a family. And I loved it because the biggest problem with the first three seasons are because there's 13 episodes and 13 hours that you have to fill, there's a lot of red herrings. And in this one, there was one red herring. Mm -hmm. And you were like, I already know it's not the neighbor, but okay, we're going to spend some time with the neighbor. So it's like Scooby-Doo in that aspect where they have it's well, yeah, like there's like the one that they think it's going to be. And then they're like, well, I guess it wasn't him. Yeah, out it was the but it, other character it we was met. the other one person that we met who was friendly, you know. <laughs> but in the first, like in the first episode, in the first season, every week you would meet another person, and you would be like, "Okay, maybe it's this guy. No, it's not this guy. Maybe it's the aunt. No, it's not the aunt. Maybe it's the creepy boyfriend. Not the creepy boyfriend. It's got to be the governor. It's not the governor. And that's and it, it got tiresome eventually because I was like, I, "Why are we wasting time with this?" But because it was such a tight six episodes and they didn't waste time filling content with these other characters Mm -hmm. it's just boom we're done this is what's happening it's a show do you do you think it was a smart buy for netflix to renew and to pick up this project that got kicked kicked honestly no 
See, this because is... I don't know anybody. I know two people that watch this show, and it's me and my girlfriend. And this is this is what I wanted to to bring up is I this weird trend of picking shows back up that were canceled on broadcast and cable. Well, Yahoo is doing it with the uh, community. community. Amazon just announced that they're doing the live action Tick with which, Patrick Warburton, which I have no idea why. Like, I think Patrick Warburton w- drove by a house and was like, I wonder if I could get that. Yeah. S- S- let me, uh, <laughs> let me, uh, let, let me, me make a call. Let me get on the uh, phone with uh, Amazon. Let's, uh, yeah, Amazon. It's, uh, it's, it's PT. Patrick Warburton. Uh, it's PW. What's up? Want to do, do the tick? Let's do the tick. I got this other one for uh, David Putty. Uh, we could do like spinoff on that, but I always wanted there to be a Putty and um, SC8 ball. Who was this point? To, yes, a Putty and uh, Elaine's boss, Jay Peterman. Yeah, Jay Peter- Peterman get like uh, like they open up a mechanic shop or something, and <laughs> I don't grease monkey. I don't care for yeah. that term. Peterman is like running the business, but uh, you ever see a monkey take apart yeah. an engine? I haven't. Except maybe that that. Sign language monkey, Coco. That monkey's all right. High five. <laughs> I don't understand this renewal because there wasn't. It wasn't like there were people sitting at home just fuming, looking at their their television that's off, and just going, "This is not coming back on until the live action version of the Tick gets brought back." Yeah, it's it's weird. It's also weird. The other thing that's weird to me is like Hell on Wheels is still on. And I'm still watching it, and I am the only person, in in my knowledge. And I'm like, how is who is paying for this show? How is the show getting paid for? Because that's a big, expensive show. International. Really? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Meanwhile, like the show that I always compare Hell on Wheels to when I'm watching it, Deadwood, mm-hmm. had three seasons and then they shut it down. Well, that and was, was kind of like that was. Wasn't that David? That's David Mills, right? Yeah. Wasn't that also his deal that he didn't want to do another season of Deadwood and then did John from Cincinnati? Was like, wasn't that his no, partly he his wa- fault? No, he wanted to do another one, but they didn't want to do a. They wanted to do like a limited mm-hmm. run. They wanted to do like six episodes for the fourth season, and he said, "What if we do two movies instead?" And they were like, "Okay, I guess if you want, you could do like two two-hour movies if you want it's less content but fuck it we'll give you more money Mm -hmm. and then some sort of deal fell through at the very last minute with that i think i think what's happening and it's it's interesting um because like the movie industry has also gone through this too where um they especially because yahoo and amazon and netflix aren't necessarily as established as like cable like cable companies like AMC yeah. or CBS or NBC. So they have to rely on getting viewers there on the backs of other properties that they can get their hands on. Like movies always have been have been knocked especially in recent years that there isn't a lot of intellectual property that's original. A lot of it's either Adaptations of books or, or sequels, yeah. sequels or remakes or reboots. And partly that's because there's such a, a like a burden of we have to make if we make if we put money into this, if we put a hundred million dollars, this big ass blockbuster, it's gotta make that money back. Yeah. And so we can either go with this original property that might be okay, or we can go with this thing that's known and we don't have to market as heavily 
and and kind of go from the ground up. Now that's changed a little bit over the past few years, but like a couple of years ago, that was a that was it was huge. Yeah, like a huge problem. And I think these startups, these companies that are that are starting to branch off into into TV, ha- are running into the same problem where you know you can say we have this great program, like. I'm not saying Alpha House is great, but Amazon has this show called Alpha House that with a lot of stars, John, a lot of talent John behind Goodman, it. There's a lot. Gary Trudeau, who created Doonesbury, created the show. Yeah. Like and like they know people are going to Amazon, right? Yes, but they're like, why aren't people watching our shows? Exactly, and so they're just like, this is all original content, but you have to you have to convince people, and it's also it's harder to get eyeball. Uh, it's not necessarily harder, but it's 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 a learning curve to get people to come to you as opposed to I can turn on my TV and I can schedule a, a you know, oh, a Mad Men's on. OK, I'll, I'll schedule a recording. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, John Goodman is asked on The Daily Show, how do you watch Alpha House? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I think he legitimately said that I watched an interview. Where he was very, very wishy washy. Yeah. Well, where do we see Alpha House at? And he's just like, I don't know. I, I I show up and I do a thing. Yeah. So there's a bit of a learning curve. But if you can get properties that net savvy viewers are going to want to watch, like Arrested Development. The Killing. The Killing. Community. Community. Exactly. But I think that the other thing that's also influencing, I think the thing that definitely influenced the Killing decision is Netflix had the first three seasons on Instant Play. And they, I think they said, people are watching this. They can build their they're shows. They're binge watching but They can build their shows by the numbers. They yeah. have the metrics. And they're yeah. like, we have the numbers. We know that people are watching this. It's the same with Arrested Development. They're like, Pe- there seems to be an interest. Mm-hmm. Let's give it to them. Let's see what happens. Like, you know, they, they, I, they picked the killing specifically because people were watching it mm-hmm. on Netflix. And I don't think... They they didn't do it with anything else with another show that got canceled from AMC because they just don't know they know what people are watching. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it would be great if Netflix released that those numbers and actually told us was the Killing season four a success mm-hmm. because they don't all they right they don't release they don't they, don't they don't just say it. they don't have to no they just say it's doing really well and they tell us Orange is the New Black is their number one thing right yeah. But they don't say like what what I would, what's yeah what is considered what's the barometer what's the, yeah. the 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 measuring stick to compare it to like I would be curious if Orange is the New Black did better than Silicon Valley on HBO. Well, see, here's what would happen is if they release those numbers and for online streaming they're crazy good. What ends up happening is you only give ammunition to like the terrestrial side, yeah, like cable and and network. Like I remember, um, NBC crowed about the fact that their um, online streaming of the Olympics did some, you know, magnificent number for online streaming because it was like 2012, and uh, it was like incredible because they had just they were doing or it was, it was 2010. They did um, that across all platforms. You know, you can watch any sport anytime, blah, blah, blah. And they released, put out this press release. And, like, hours later, Fox put out a press release that basically said, like, a rerun of Family Guy will do 3 million viewers. And this has been running for, like, six days and has done 1.5 million viewers. And I'm like, 
basically doing the just, jack the jack off motion. That's hilarious. That <laughs> you you have to imagine somebody somebody at Fox being like, "Can we tell them to fuck themselves?" And then this intern's like, "Yep, let me yeah, get on I that." I got this here. There we go. All right, go Done. fuck yourself. Family guy, guy is. is- funny great uh do you guys can we send how do i do the emoji for like a pile of poop um do you know is that what is that one i uh, it's command r R? and then uh you're gonna have to it'll pop something up and just write turd there it is there it is there we go oh it's smiling that's nice that's That's cute oh i wanted the stink lines all right well i'll just send it anyways well mark speaking of new media (laughs) failed amc shows we're talking about today's episode of Rubicon. You conned me, didn't you? We did not watch Rubicon. You motherfucker. Should we give him a peek behind the curtain at what happened? I think we should because it's relevant to what we're talking about here. Kind of. We uh, <laughs> we decided to do Rubicon as episode two, not episode one. No. And uh, after, as I was cutting the show, I was like, well, I guess I should find where the fuck I can find this digital property that I assume exists here in the fucking Somewhere. year of our Lord, 2014. And uh, I went to AMC. Well, first I went to Netflix. Yes. Not there. Uh, I went to AMC.TV. You know, sometimes they stream back episodes. No. Nope. Nope. And then it told me straight up and down, there's no airings of the show, so don't. Good luck. Don't don't look here. Uh, and I was like, I guess I'll it, have to I, fucking buy it. It actually warned you. It says, it's like, don't 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 go digging. Do not seek the Rubicon. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I went to. I was like, I guess I'll have to fucking buy it. Went to uh, Amazon. Amazon. Went to Amazon streaming. Nope, nothing. Then oh. I was like, Google Play or my only hope. <laughs> Save me, Google Play. <laughs> and uh, not there either. So. I am blown away of the idea that a show can exist in the the decade of 2010. The, the, the 10s? Is that, I think it came out in 2010. It, yeah. No, is that the correct term? The 10s? On the 10s. On the 10s, The 10 yeah. spot. The weathers. <laughs> in the 10 spot. Yeah. Um, that a show can exist then and not be available in some kind of purchasable digital format. Yeah. That's crazy to me. We could have gotten it illegally, I'm sure. But, but I that's get, not the, the I didn't want to do that. We, neither of us wanted to do that for this show. So instead, we've decided to turn back the clock, Mark. Yes. And roll back on savings. As we're rolling back on towards back to school sales, yeah. and fall is here, and with fall comes Halloween. Yeah. We decided to take a look at the 1955 CBS and NBC series Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yes. An anthology series that ran for a long while, Mark. Like 11 years? Maybe more. Mark, what do you know about Alfred Hitchcock Presents? I had seen... I I actually remember having seen an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents uh, when I was sitting in on one of my brother's college classes. He was taking, like, Hitchcock 101, and it was a lecture. Which brother? Tony. Tony. Mm -hmm. It was a long, long lecture, and then they watched North by Northwest in a movie theater afterwards. But before they ran North by Northwest, they were like, here's an Alfred Hitchcock presents just, you know, just for fun. (laughs) Shut your mouths and watch it. You monster. And it was great. It was, I I don't remember what the episode was about, 
but I remember really liking it. Mm-hmm. And this show ran for a long time, Alfred Hitchcock, and they would churn these out. That's the other thing that I knew about it. Like, they would do like 25 episodes a season, right? Maybe more sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the way that it would work was generally, the w- in order to get content, they would just lift uh, short stories. Yes. And then turn it into a teleplay, throw them out, bam. Yeah. Uh, one of the most famous ones I know is called, but I've never seen it, is The Man from the South, which is based on a Raw Dahl short story. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. <laughs> James and the Giant Peach. No, it's about a guy who bets another guy that he... Can sleep with his wife. Yes. That he... <laughs> I bet I can bang your wife. <laughs> You're, You're on. on. <laughs> Honey. Pay the man. <laughs> <laughs> Just staring into his eyes as she rocks. Ooh, this is good. <laughs> Write it down. This is, yeah, this is a great Alfred Hitchcock present. <laughs> no. Uh, one guy bets another guy that his zippo lighter won't light 10 times in a row Mm -hmm. and if he wins he gives the guy money if the zippo doesn't light 10 times in a row he gets to cut off his pinky (laughs) jeez where are these bets made somewhere in the south apparently if i could make this my bets are usually i can if i crumpled up this piece of paper and make it into that trash can (laughs) i am the coolest guy in the world (laughs) if i miss Still pretty cool. I'm still pretty cool. The coolest guy in the county. <laughs> oh, well, uh, countywide, yeah. that's not bad. L.A. County is big. That's a big county. Yeah. It's bigger than most states. The economy of it is larger than a couple of countries. So that's, uh, that's something. Cool, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, And then that was lifted yet again for the... Um, Quentin Tarantino anthology uh, movie Four, Four Rooms. Rooms. That's okay. the last segment in Four Rooms mm-hmm. is basically a ripoff of the Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which is lifted from. So, anyways, <laughs> it's this game of telephone. Yeah, but that's pretty much all I knew about it. I, 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 we for a while we had wanted to do one of these older anthology series, and I think we'd also said like, wouldn't it be nice to do a show that we're we'll probably like. Yeah. So going into this, there was a lot of pressure to. I, I was like, this, I hope we picked a good one. Well, let's see, Mark. What do you? What did you know about it? Well, I I know I know you what know I, a lot I because know, you researched. I know what I've got here. Okay. I know we're about to enter our first segment entitled "Hey, Hey, Hey, What's Going On Here?" What is going on here? fun every time it's a uh it's a if you listen carefully it's a different version of that bite every time yeah i have a super cut of him saying it and <laughs> i pick, a, I pick a different one each time that's great alfred hitchcock presents debuted on october 2nd 1955 wow on cbs be there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and ran for 10 years wow including and also including a 1985 NBC revival. Yeah. It was on for another three years and included... Um, and they went from, tw- like, 30-minute shows to hour-long shows. They went shows. To, later in the last... Ha- it ran for 10 seasons, so in, like, seasons 7 through 10, it, it went from a half hour to an hour long. Yeah. That include That is 361 episodes Jesus of this show, Christ. airing on CBS and NBC... 
Uh, it's on multiple top 100 best TV shows of all time lists, including the Writers Guild of Americas and uh, I want to say TV Guides, top 101 best shows. And Hitchcock would direct like 18 of them. Handfuls, I think. Handfuls he didn't direct a lot of them. Through the seasons. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock is listed as the creator. The episode that we watched was season two, episode 28 entitled One More Mile to Go, which aired on April 7th, 1957. Yeah. So, a one ago. More like one more... Half century? Yeah, go. <coughs> That's a whammy. Written by F.J. Smith, who gets a story credit on this, and James P. Cavanaugh, who has written several teleplays for Alfred Hitchcock, including... Uh, uh, as well as shows and scripts for Playhouse 90, the General Electric Theater, and the show Suspense. I like looking at older shows. Um, Just the names of them? Yeah, exactly. Suspense. Like, I mean, Mystery is still a show, but I like the idea of, like, you know, now we have the Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 instead of, like... Shit my dad says. Humor. Yeah. (laughs) Jokes. (laughs) Jokes. <laughs> Funny time hour. He is an Emmy Award winner for the episode Half Hour or Less, which is another uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents. And Kavanaugh, also known as writing one of the rejected first drafts for the movie Psycho. This episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents is one of the few that is directed by the man himself, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Mark, you want to jump in? Yeah, let's get into let's it. Let's do this. So we open up with maybe one of the most iconic scenes in television. I feel like... Openings, yeah. Yes, this is like, if you think of classic television, you think of the sideways caricature profile of Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. And his silhouette coming into Stepping into it. And the music plays. The funeral march, something, something. And it's so iconic that, like... Even if you haven't seen the show, you've seen you know so what many, this is. Like parodies of it, it's yeah. weird to see. You know, it's like it's like if you've uh, if you've watched The Simpsons forever and ever, and then you watch The Godfather, it's weird because you're they like, do so many parodies of it that you're like, I've at this point I've seen The Godfather because <laughs> I've seen The Simpsons. Don Homa, uh, my boy, he's a sick. <laughs> Grazie, <laughs> home. Um, so this is it's weird to see the original like I've I've seen bits and pieces of these older shows yeah. but it's always weird to see here's the here's where it it it, it happened. Uh Hitchcock recorded toppers for all of these episodes and these so, wraparounds, yeah. So he I imagine he would do a season in like 6 hours yeah, just it's, bang them, it's just, just burn them out. Black suit, black tie, black tie. Burner, burner. And he's standing up. He would always be standing up against a white wall. He'd he'd always be standing up against just a white backdrop, and there would usually be one prop. Yes, he just kind of says a thing. It's very Chriswell of him. Yeah, and he'd like he would end up using this show as. I feel like this is going to be a long episode because I, I'm going to come right out and say I loved this episode. Okay. I liked what we watched, and I like this show. Oh, boy. And this is going gonna... <laughs> to... This is going to get dicey. Oh, boy. I don't know how to... Okay, he, he... okay crazy man. Go ahead. 
He would often like use the show as advertising for something that was coming up. Like he would advertise for the birds. Yeah. By having a a crow nearby, and he'd be like, "Get re- get ready for my next fucking movie. It's gonna drive you nuts." <laughs> This time around, he explains the legend of Anne Boleyn, who was decapitated. And yeah. in this one, he's holding a replica of his head. That looks like it was made out of ham. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a good likeness. It's, it's weird. And he's just kind of walking around with it. Uh, and he says that today's episode will deal with uh, this, will deal with how to deal with the problem of a wife. Yeah. And then, we, and then he says, this guy knows what I'm talking about. This guy, this fucking guy. We open up with Act One. Uh, we come in and we can see uh, we see a house. Camera moves in and we look in through the window and we see an, a husband, presumably a husband and a wife, arguing with each other. We yes. don't know what they're saying. It's it's all inaudible, uh, but it's getting more and more heated. The the wife is he's he's kind of ignoring her, trying to read his newspaper, and she's just standing up and just bitching him out. Yes, and you're like, I hear you, man this we've all been there trying to read the racing form and then i nudge my girlfriend the old ball and chain come the old battle axe yeah i know this scene she pushes him around she grabs his newspaper throws it in the fireplace more yelling more screaming she slaps him and at that point he gets mad enough to pick up a fire iron well he grabbed no he grabs he 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 does grab the fire iron first and he tries to fish his newspaper out no 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 this this is what i think is brilliant Mm. and this is when i was like oh we're in somebody knows what they're doing here he's trying to read the newspaper he's trying to ignore her she is pissed off so she grabs the newspaper throws it into the fire it doesn't quite make it into the fire Mm -hmm. so he grabs the fireplace poker to nudge the newspaper the rest of the way in because it's dangling out enough to where it could, the fire could spread, presumably. Yeah. So he's got... There's some. There's, ver- a, there's a reason why he's holding this There's iron. a reason why he's holding it, and it's a very clear, like, progression of events. It's a, a lesser product would... She slaps him, he grabs a fireplace poker and just hits her. Mm-hmm. But this is smart enough to be like... Th- to show uh, the causality... A happens, so B happens, so C happens, so D happens. So now he has a fireplace poker in his hand, and his wife smacks him. Right. He yes, yes. So it's not like I'm gonna get I'm you. So I'm, mad now. I'm gonna enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, he so he's got the iron in his hand. He advances on her, and we're slowly we're moving so each, towards the window. Each action also corresponds with a camera movement that we we're at the window. And then every single escalation, the camera pushes in each time. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the argument, she grabs the newspaper, then we kind of we dolly in a little bit, yeah. and then we dolly in a little bit more. And finally, he picks up the iron, advances on her, and then clubs her off screen. Well, I mean, we see him swing, but she's off screen. Yeah. And, oh, she goes down. God. Oh, boy. So... <laughs> Right. Down goes the wife. And this is Down goes the wife. This is like compared to the rest of the other kind of drek that we've seen so far, like 60 seconds. This is in 60 seconds. The table is set. Yeah. The the, the we have set the table. We have 21 minutes now or 20 I mean we it was long. They were longer, longer back then. So 24 minutes to figure out how, all right, this guy has killed his wife. What do we do now? What do we do now? Like, the stakes are as high as you can crank them at this point. So, um, the guy, 
turns to the phone. He's like, oh, God. Oh, I have to call God. the police. He looks. L- looks at his cuff. On his sweater. There's, his very nice sweater. There's literal blood on it. Yeah. So the, literally, he's got blood on his hands. He's, gonna think, he's, like, he's saying to himself, uh, this this, this, looks this bad. phone call? This looks bad. Might look bad. <laughs> this looks real bad. He eyes the he situ- want, he Because it's 1955, right? Yes. He's like, can I blame this on a China man? Uh, I probably could. Not again. <laughs> it's been too recent. I got, I got I had my I got one. that one. I got the one. Yeah. He decides to take uh, an, uh, kind of an eye of the situation, and he decides, okay. We're in it. We're we got, doing we it. Got it. We're in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah. He dusts off the weapon, puts it back into its its fireplace, uh, into the, the fireplace holder, at which point I'm saying to myself, burn that jacket. Burn the sweater. Burn Why the does sweater? he keep the sweater I, on? That's what I was confused about because I thought— He wipes it off. He, he tries to wipe it off as best as he can. Uh, he then heads to the garage, and he is like, all right, I got to get my tools together. We got to fucking do this. He gra- He starts to grab a shovel. And then he thinks on it, and then he decides not to right. grab the shovel instead. And this was—I thought this was weird too. I thought this was not necessarily like weird or bold, but interesting for the time. As we see a very distinct shot of the corpse, because he—he's looking around at the tools. He grabs the shovel and he looks back, and then we see the actual body of like, his wife. I think her eyes are open. Yes, and there's like we see—I mean, it's in black and white, yeah. but we see there's—I think there is blood, yeah. like on it. And I was like, that's. That's a pretty ballsy shot for 8 o'clock in 1955. Yeah. He decides, all right, I'm going to grab a sack. I'm going to grab some tools. Presumably, he's going to dump this lady in the lake because he's grabbing a bunch of weight. He grabs some chain. He grabs, like, an iron bar. He just has, like, an I-beam for some reason in his garage that he loads into there. Now, this is all... Not necessarily in real time, but, like, they take a very long time to, to show him... Loading this woman in the sack, and then lifting her up, hefting her into the trunk, and then loading his own trunk right. with tools for whatever he's going to do. Which I thought, like, interesting and, like, very good choice to make there. Because right. it, like, you watch TV, especially now, oh, people get killed all the time. But, like, here's the grave reality that it's like, this man's wife is now dead, and she is now a a physical corpse now yeah, that, that you he has have, to get that rid he of. has to uh, in like you see him hefting and the actual like physicality of how you know if everyone always jokes with each other it's like well if i committed a murder how would i get rid of the body i just put it in the bathtub and pour why in it and just dissolve the body but like there's physical realities to carrying a dead like a the dead weight of a body and into to a trunk get lie and to put it in a <laughs> bathtub and you know, you can't just. We all have we all have a good laugh, Mark. But there's some real realities behind some disposing real of a here. corpse. All right. Uh, yeah. I I'm just saying, don't take it lightly if you're going to dispose of a corpse. Uh, I remember, and you had mentioned that this was written by a guy who would do a draft of Psycho. Yes. And it's very telling because there's that s- scene in Psycho, like there there's 15 minutes of Psycho that is just Norman cleaning. Yes. And it's really tense. And you kind of see the beginnings of that in this episode with, I think, Hitchcock saying, can I make, like, cleaning interesting? Mm-hmm. And it is. Yeah, because, yeah, this is, 
like shit shit would happen shit shit happened so there's been no dialogue at this point yeah uh, at least discernible dialogue at this point he gets in his car drives away and we see even more meticulous shots of him driving that he's keeping an eye on the speedometer he's keeping an eye on his rearview mirror uh back to the speedometer back to the rearview mirror which like, is holding perfectly at 35, at 35 miles an hour exactly at 30 there's a circle on on the on I the, love the I love the, the odometer I love the speedometer and, it's and he uh he's burying it at right at 35 right at 35 like, just right holding there. steady if it was again if this was a modern show or done more poorly that he would be driving erratically and the speed the needle would be up to 55 as he's trying to get away but he he's no he's, he's like I'm gonna do this like, right I, I don't want to raise suspicion I'm just gonna go and again tense as hell like in our explanation it sounds like this is boring but like this guy driving you're, you're at in a this, good speed you're in this guy's head yeah. you're like holy shit all right man here's here's what we got to do however johnny law as always as this always. fucking guy yeah johnny law comes roaring up pulls the guy over the guy says, I wasn't speeding, officer. What the fuck, man? Where's your warrant? That's, yeah. what, I, that's what he should have said. Where's your fucking warrant, yeah. pig? Oink, oink, oink. Am I free to go? <laughs> he shoves him shoves off. Shoves him off of his motorcycle. The officer tells him, I didn't pull you over for speeding. And that's your act out. That's the act out. You go, oh, no. The Uh-oh. cop knows. No, the wife told. The wife told. Oh, God. Oh, God. Now I've got to put two bodies in the trunk. <laughs> now he's got to kill the wife again. Then, <laughs> very very meticulous of him killing like the wife again, again. Yeah. putting it in, in another sack. It's like double wrapping a burrito. Yeah. I mean, you, it's, you don't want it to leak everywhere is what I'm trying to say. Act two starts up. There's only two acts in this. As far as I could tell, there were only two acts because the, the, the act break happens at after the opening, after the Hitchcock opening, and then this would have been the second act break. Unless there was another one somewhere. But this was the discernible. This was the clear one. This yeah. was a discernible break. The cop tells the man that his tail light is oh, out. Real careful. It's got nothing to do with your driving either. You've got a tail light out. Oh. Well, uh, it was all right when I left the house. Well, it's not all right now. Which prompted me to know this must be the most bored cop in the county. Yeah. Well, what I loved was that this cop, the cop was really nice. Well, the whole time. And he's like, but he's also stern. He's like, taillights out. I don't want you to get hurt. I, it just makes me laugh that, like, imagine, I, I guess it's different because we live in Los Angeles, but imagine if you were driving around with one taillight. Um, and <laughs> do you think do you think Highway Patrol would come screaming up over a hill <laughs> to pull you over and be like, uh, excuse me, sir, uh, your taillight's out. Yeah. And, and, and. I don't think that would. No. I don't know. This guy's the, the most bored cop in the county, apparently. They're also shooting Night for Day, which is. Which was very. Which was weird, because, like, it. it. I understand why they do it, but I was having trouble deciding what time of day it was, because every time we'd see a shot, I'm assuming we're supposed to imagine that it's night, but it always looked like two in the afternoon to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an effect that's. <clears throat> it's an effect that's easier to pull off in black and white, anyways. Yeah. Like now that you just put a blue filter on, and it's because it still looks like day. It still looks wrong, but yeah, there was a little suspension of disbelief where you're like, I know that they shot this on the Universal lot at two o'clock. So uh, this guy is talking to the officer, who's just very nice. He's like, Hey, uh, so um, 
there's been a lot of accidents out here. I don't want you to get rear-ended. That'd be bad. So why don't you head back to the gas station about a mile up the road, and the guy there can fix it for you. Uh, meanwhile, this idiot looks He's at his cuffs, notices the fucking blood on yeah. it again, and then, like, tucks it in, and it's just like, you, you idiot, you moron. <laughs> Baby town frolics. Have you never murdered your wife before? Christ. Yeah. Anyway, the guy tries to fight him on it, but he realizes he's stuck because if he fights him anymore, it's only going to raise more suspicion. So finally, yeah. he just decides to turn around and he goes to the gas station. At this point, I'm smelling collusion between the cop and the guy that runs the gas station. Yeah. And like He's like, hey, your taillight's out. Breaks it. You <laughs> yeah. might go get it fixed. Yeah. Then they go, Side goes view to, is broken, too. Yeah. Goes to get it fixed. How much is that bulb? $75. Yeah. <laughs> The, the um at the gas station this guy is obviously we never get a name in the in the um Netflix bio it says Sam but it's never established what yeah. this guy's name is uh the guy is acting suspicious but he's just like just give me my fucking ball and we'll fucking fix it later yeah he buys one but then again the, the most bored <laughs> the up. most bored cop in the county is like oh hey <laughs> oh it's you <laughs> hey I'm, what are the odds of seeing you here where uh, I sent I'm you just Getting the cup of Joe, getting the crawler, no, just you know, whatever. Uh, the guy, he buys one, but then the cop shows up because apparently the cop is just doing donuts in this patch of highway. Like I just, I don't know what this cop is doing. There's nothing the else for him to do. He just rolls around. He's like, yeah, I go, so I'll go see the gas station again. He tells the attendant, you know, why don't you go ahead and put the bulb in? Just do it for him. Why don't you? Why don't you show? Why don't you show him Paul Allen's Paul car? Paul Allen's car. Oh you, my God! <laughs> why don't you put? Why, why don't you put that bulb in? <laughs> no, it's like no. He's like, how's it going? Oh, you should put the bulb in for the guy right now, in front of all of us. Let's make sure it works. Uh, I. This guy is sweating bullets. He's like, okay, do it. Whatever you want, man. The bulb is fine. However, the fucking thing won't light. Like, yeah. It's a brand new bulb. Uh. And um, <laughs> he gives it to the cop. He's like, "You try it." And the cop tries it. It's like again, he, he, it's it's. He's like, "Something must be loose back here." It's this this trunk. This trunk is really heavy. Loaded. What's it's? I bet you know what? Here, I know what. It, there's probably a bad wire, because the guy says, "Uh, yeah, it's loaded." I've got I, like I, tools. I put a bunch of tools. I've got an eye like, beam and a wrench. I and bet a what wife. happened. Oh, what was that? A knife. <laughs> a fife. A fife. I have a an <laughs> instrument back there. <laughs> Uh, the he's like the cop says the I beam must have touched one of the wires and shorted, shorted it out. out. So this guy, you know, you're at a gas station. This guy's got nothing better to do. I've just I've been uh, I have literally nothing else. I've to just do. been doing drag races <laughs> up and down 75 all day. Yeah. Took this baby up to 60. He tells the guy to pop the trunk so this grease monkey can take a look at the wiring. And at this point, I've written. Not without a warrant, pig. Okay, <laughs> so why don't you just back yeah. the fuck off? The guy... Wake up the judge. Tell him you want to see what's in my trunk. <laughs> Why don't you show him Paul Allen's no, trunk? trunk. <laughs> oh, my God. Patrick, are you sweating? <laughs> it's bone. <laughs> so he... um. It's an actual bone. The guy hi- The guy goes... So they're like, open the trunk. So the guy like, goes... I guess up- I got to get the fucking key. So he goes to the front of the thing, uh, and he decides to hide the trunk key, and he comes back, and he's like... Oh, oh, guys, I got terrible news. I don't have the trunk key. Oh, what a boner um, I am. So then the cop says, well, 
I guess we're going to have to break into so your trunk. I can break it. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's like, what? He's like, you know, you can't leave here without fixing this fucking taillight. This is the most important taillight I've I, ever I, seen. I feel like he's going to turn the gates like, watch me fuck with this guy. <laughs> this is great. I'm this fucking, is great. I'm fucking with this guy. So he tells he tells uh, the he tells the um, gas station attendant to go get a crowbar so they could break the is, lock. This is the funniest moment of this entire episode for me because this cop is like, I guess we got to get a crowbar. Hey, Red, why don't you go in, get a crowbar, and uh, you know we'll get this fixed up. Red, the, the gas station attendant, leaves, and it's this shot where we push in a little bit, and the framing is this guy. Just standing dead eyed, <laughs> just watching his life flash before his eyes. I can't believe he's just this. Got, he's just got this awful look on his face. And this cop's like, oh, hey, thanks to the crowbar. <laughs> and all this action is happening around <laughs> the guy's standing there. And then he passes in front of him and he doesn't move. Yeah. And the cop's like, well, here, I'll just fucking. Uh, so as he starts to get into the trunk, he wiggles it and some he must have re connected the the wire yeah the wire the light moves. pops back on it's all right it's all right don't be too sure there's no telling how long it'll stay on well at least till i get home you better have it fixed first thing in the morning i certainly will just be sure you do because next time i'll give you a ticket. bullet avoid it yeah the guy's like oh thank god i love the mix of like just the mundanity of life just dragging this man down as the cops like well here we go i guess we gotta i guess we have to destroy your car let's now let's go ahead and strip the screws yeah. while we're doing it it's like no please don't so then the light works the light works he's like oh thank god oh my god holy cow okay i'm going I'm home i'm gonna go see ya i, I'm I gotta gonna, go i gotta I, so, see ya all right everybody thanks for coming out okay so he gets in his car pulls away as fast as, as he can at at a safe and reasonable, five, reasonable miles an 35 miles an hour. <laughs> Check, looks both ways, signals. Cop looks. He sees the signals flashing faster. He's like, that ball's about to go out. Yeah, I, I don't like that ball. And so the guy drives away. We get more driving shots, more he's, tense driving shots. Yeah. Now it's even more tense because he's like, but we're seeing the lake he's driving to this, is very fast yeah. approaching. It's lake or reservoir or whatever it is. So uh, he drives and drives, and then another siren Again, the world's, the world's most bored cop shows back <laughs> up again. And he's like, hey, Mac, you pulled out of there so fast at seven miles an hour yeah. that uh, you forgot your change. <laughs> you gave the guy a 20. You're supposed to get $5 back. I can't imagine anyone leaving a five spot. You must have I, been in some hurry. He keeps calling it a five spot, right? Yes. <laughs> Which I love. I who would leave behind a five, a five spot? spot? Am I right? And this the audience knows. is like, "Yeah, that's suspicious." Yeah, it's five dollars. You can buy a house kill for my that. Wife for five dollars. <laughs> Don't look in my trunk. So the guy's like, "Oh, thanks, officer." Bored <laughs> out of your mind. This. Yeah. So uh, the cop turns to leave, and he's and he's uh, he's like, "Oh man, I wanted to know. I got bad news for you." Well, first of all, well, let me back up. He says. Wait a minute, because when they had the conversation earlier, he asked the guy what what he was doing driving in the middle of the night. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm over I'm in Lakewood, and apparently now wherever he's at is very far away, and now where he's at currently is in the complete opposite direction of his where he where he lives." Yeah. 
So the cop's a little suspicious of that, but doesn't think anything of it because the guy's like, I guess I just wanted a nighttime ride. I'm just trying to unwind. Yeah. Now, what I like about all of this is I keep thinking that the cop is like Columboing this guy, <laughs> right? Let me just ask you one more question. Like the cop, like in Columbo, Columbo knows. Columbo knows a lot, but he plays dumb. Pr- pretty much within the first scene where he meets the suspect or the murderer, he knows that this person did it. Yeah. And then Columbo's just, for the next 90 minutes, just burning time waiting for this person to undo themselves. So that's what I thought this bored cop was doing <laughs> but he's just so genuinely nice that you're like no he has no idea has what's no going idea, on and he thinks he's like because the guy's like just just give me a fucking ticket. give me the ticket give me a goddamn ticket and the guy's like why would you want a ticket i'm not That's gonna give really you a ticket stupid. we can fix this we're gonna fix it in fact here's how we're gonna fix it i'm not gonna give you a ticket and you can't leave here because you could get into a car accident and then i feel bad and I think the cop even, like, kicks the back of the guy's car. And he's like, I still don't feel right about this light. There's a really funny There's a funny line in there, too, where he's like, he's like, there's a lot of people driving around the road. I mean, what happens if somebody can, mistakes you for a motorcycle? Are there half in the tank as it is? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if they're drunk, they're... they're and if they... That one light isn't going to make not, the difference. No. <laughs> you're you're going to be dead either way. So the cop says, I got great news. Headquarters. Maybe the best news. Police headquarters is like a quarter mile up the road. We'll go. We'll have our mechanic pop that trunk. This guy is lickety split. We'll just pop that son of a bitch right open. It's very thorough. (laughs) Very good. Thorough. We'll fix it up and you'll be on the road. Good as new. And the guy's like, oh, great. So. And he's like, follow me. Yeah, exactly. So we he pulls away, and then the closing shot of this is this is, is him driving. We see a close up on this tail light that's flashing in and out intermittently yeah. as he's driving, and that's the end. That's it. So we know, we know what's going to happen. They're going to fix his tail light. Send him out. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're going to pop the trunk and like see a hand or something. By now, the body's probably smelling, actually. They will see. What is this body-shaped bag you have back here? That's an eye beam. Mm. It's very soft for an eye beam and leaking. It's, it's um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's lead. It's a soft metal. That makes, yeah, that checks out. So that's the end of this episode. I mean, Hitchcock has a closing, but he just says, Good night, everybody. Yeah. And then he walks off. That was his... nuts, huh? <laughs> that was pretty zany. That was a good. <laughs> well, I think we all learned something today. Okay. And then he t- walks off with his uh, mannequin head. Yeah. So that's the end of this episode. One more mile to go of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Mark, what did you think of this? I mean, I already gave it away. I I loved it. I liked it a lot. It was fun to see this snapshot of 1950s, you know, like television. Yes, because it's, it's, it's interesting to note that there's only th- three sets here. There's like three locations. There's the house, there's the gas station, and then there's the car. Yeah. And like it's very and like a stretch of highway. Yes. But and, you could tell that it was done on the cheap mm-hmm. and it was just done well. It was just and it was really 
I, I can't imagine the script was longer than like 10, like 20 pages, right? For right. For this 20-minute thing, because it's just he drives. There's a couple of lines of dialogue. The actor is David Wayne. Did you notice that? That's his name. It is not the guy from Wet Hot American <laughs> Summer. I want to listen to funk rock. No, I want to listen to funk rock. That's from Stella. Oh. That's a good show. Yeah. You should watch Stella. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, I really enjoyed this as well. And I really like the economy of dialogue and storytelling. Like, it's just very quick. You know what's going to happen. You know where this guy needs to go and what he needs to do. And, like, in a lesser show, there would be VO or something. But it's all just done with camera movement. Everything that this guy is thinking and feeling is conveyed by his acting, his actions, and really well done camera movement, and also music a little bit. Yeah, this was a this was a great. I think this is probably the best show that we've seen so far in terms of just jumping right in. I yeah. mean, it's a little unfair because it's a it's an anthology it's series because it's so it's so close ended yeah. that you're just like I don't need to see any of the other ones to know what's going on, but. The fact that you know this much story is told in twenty minutes says a lot compared to some of the other Arrow, weird which is direct that we've watched, which forty-seven minutes and just hard to even understand or care. And everything's going by so fast, and so I mean, I, again, it's not serialized, so it's not fair. It's not necessarily apples this, to apples. This, but this was also the one that was directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, so Alfred Hitchcock. Not fair to compare that to Dog with a Blog. But at Dog with the Blog and this show, both Emmy nominated That's shows. That's true. So put that in your fucking pipe yeah. and smoke it, Mark. It should be noted that uh, this uh, the writer of this, I think that we mentioned before that uh, James P. Cavanaugh wrote one of the original drafts for Psycho. You'd mentioned that, yeah. And um, it's, uh, uh, I guess it was rejected because uh, Alfred Hitchcock felt that it was a little bit too close to being like a teleplay. Yeah. It felt very television-like. However, uh, this show was kind of a playground and a little bit of a, a, like a learning laboratory for Alfred Hitchcock in order to Put together movie, like put together scenes and shots and compositions for the big screen, but like on a on a smaller scale. Like Psycho shot on the cheap, it's it not looking cheap per se, but like it, its budgets weren't as as big. Yeah. So this episode in particular, there's a ton of parallels and shot compositions between this and Psycho. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to see like the driving stuff. The, it's got a lot of the same themes. She's got the Cleaning money. Up a body, the, she's got yeah. the money in the car. He's got a body in the car. It's like the same. Oh yeah, the highway patrolman rolls up on her when she falls asleep in the car too. Exactly, and is nice to her. Yeah. and like sends her on her way. And I mean, he, well, they, in in that the cop unwitt- unwittingly sends her to her doom. Yes. because he tells her she has to go to a hotel. Well, because she he says you can't sleep on the highway. You have to. There's a ho- motel up the road here. Why don't you just stay there? Well, this cop sent this guy to his doom too. Yeah, go to the go to, go to, go the, to gas the gas station. station. Yeah, there are parallels between this and Psycho that are really interesting, but also fun to watch. A plus, pretty much. Good pretty work, great. Yeah. Good work, everybody. We all did it. Knowing this, you and I are now tasked with a very sizable piece of war- of of energy that we have to commit to trying to come up with the very next. 
parts episode, episode of Alfred Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock presents. presents after this particular episode, one more mile to go. Yeah. Now we were Andrew and I in the past have wondered why do we only watch bad shows? And I think that one of the reasons is, and Andrew and I actually have a lot of experience with this, it's a lot easier to write a spec script based around something that is bad. It's a lot less intimidating. Yes. To actually write something about something that's good, you're like, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. This is not going to be good. This is going to be a mess. I think we've said on the show before, at least this is what I've I've told people before, is that when you and I write, and we, we actually try and write in earnest... Uh, if we try and write a sh- for a show, because when you write stuff, when you try and write stuff, uh. Uh, you write these things called spec scripts, and they're kind of speculative scripts of a show that currently exists. Yeah. Not to be confused with fan fiction. It's completely different. It Mark. is fan fiction. It's pretty much fan we fiction. We are fan fiction writers. Well, we're trying to fit... <laughs> We're trying to fit the... Goku bangs... Santa Claus? Oh, my God. Well, Penny and Brain from Inspector Gadget Watch? This is great! This is the weirdest spec script for American Ninja I've ever read. (laughs) Why would American Ninja Warrior have a spec script? Because we're insane. Uh, so what we've found is that it's easier for us to write for to try and write a show that we don't like to try and make it something we would like, as opposed to picking a show we do like and then being like, "God damn it, I'm the worst person ever." The yeah. Thing I like to do. It's hard to reverse engineer something that is really great because we enjoy. Like if it's a show we enjoy, we're not watching it and saying, "Okay, this is what this character says this because it needs to drive the plot forward in this direction." Mm-hmm. But if we watch something bad, we're like, okay, this thing that doesn't make any sense happened because there's no other reason but to drive the plot. Right. But we try and write it in a way that puts some structure and some actual quality into it as opposed to being like, well, fuck it. They do bad storytelling, so we're going to do bad storytelling. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is these scripts that we're about to read to you are some of the greatest pieces of work that we have ever put together. I I believe... I might have written my masterpiece, <laughs> which I think is what I wrote in the you wrote me an email subject said, headline. This is this is my opus. Yeah, this is this is maybe the greatest thing I've ever put together. So we're going to now read two scripts we've put together that would explain the next episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents and a little segment we like to call, well, you fucking do it. So, Mark, we're going to start with mine. Okay. Very quickly. Very simple. I will be the man. No. Mm. You'll be the man. You're the man. <laughs> As always. And I am the cop. Okay. And I'm also scene direction. Okay. Interior, car night. A man drives down an old, lonesome road. Worry and suspicion cross his face. Get your story straight. She fell. Plain and simple. Fell down onto a knife that was attached to a hunting rifle. Happens all the time. Just gotta dump her body. A police siren squeals and a motorcycle cop appears in the rearview mirror of the man's car. The cop sidles up to the driver's window. Do you know why I pulled you over? The man stares intently as his brain chugs for an answer. I wasn't speeding. My car is in working order. And I pulled off every questionable bumper sticker I had on the back, including my... Darwin D. Callen, the one that said July 4th was an inside job. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I'm not sure what you're saying. The cop thumbs through his ticket book. 
No, sir. I just wanted to know one thing. The cop leans in very close through the window. Would you like to go to a field I've found with the biggest dandelions you've ever seen? Not especially. Oh. 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 All right. Well. <sighs> Carry on, I guess. The cop sadly walks back to his bike. The man quickly accelerates and gets back on the road, watching the bike get smaller in the distance in his rearview mirror. Just a setback. Get to the forest. Dig the hole. Put her in. Then decide how to tell the dogs that she's dead. I'll tell Scraps last. Another siren. The cop is back in sight. He arrives at the window again. You think you're pretty clever, don't you? Do you take me for an idiot? Sweat pools off the face of the man. Excuse me, officer? The trunk! You didn't think I'd notice. It's not what it seems. You see, there was this knife with a hunting rifle attached. You've got one of those seven-disc CD changers in there, don't you? I see that player. I see the player right there on the dash. Man, oh man, I was one of those as a youngster. Dad said I only had five CDs, so what was the point? And two of them were copies of Bachman Turner Overdrive's Not Fragile. I like my comfort zone, Dad. Just let me have my goddamn changer. It's actually a 10-disc changer. It um, came with the car. 10 discs? Mother of God. Look, I, I got a couple mixed CDs in my car. We could pop them in. Mixed in with a couple of my own personal tracks. Doobie Hauser, that's the name of my cover band. Look, you stay here. I'm going to go get them. Actually, I'm in a bit of a rush, officer. I've got a little bit of rush as well. You stay here and pop that trunk. We're going to get this party started right. The comp stomps back to his squad car. Now or never, buddy. You got to lose him here. The man guns the car and peels away, leaving the cop in, in the dust. The man watches the cop fade into the distance, but only briefly. A siren, along with red and blue lights, begin pulsing closer and closer to his car. Pull over. If you think I'm kidding, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, and it's yeah. just that and easy, everybody. It. it is just that easy. That's, that's not bad. Stupid and dumb. That's not bad. Here's mine. So what are you doing? Scene direction, direction Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock, and College Kid. Okay. Okay, here we go. Oh, I'd like to, before we begin, I'd like to remind everybody, these scripts were generally taken from short stories. Oh, okay. A lot of times. <laughs> I see what's happening so, here. So... Uh, <laughs> All right, I know. I already know what's gonna happen. I already know what's gonna happen. So, gonna happen. so like, and a lot of them would be short stories that were in Playboy. That's uh, just a fun fact because Playboy would run, still does they run, still do, yeah, short stories all the time and excerpts from books. But so that's where they got a lot of this. That's how they were able to turn out like fifty of these a year. Yeah, you know, you just pay uh, Roald Dahl and. Uh, uh, Thomas Shel, Wolf, Shel Silverstein yeah. to bang out some of these things, and then you make them then you... Into the weird things that they they are. All right, so here we go. Here we go. Interior TV limbo. The jaunty theme music plays as the camera whip pans to the big man, Alfred Hitchcock. He is dressed in his trademark suit and tie. 
He seems to be standing near a very small fountain or a broken pipe because a single jet of water is shooting up into the air right next to him. Good evening. Tonight, a tale of biological terror. A young man does the best that he can with a pain in his gut and a door that stays shut. This is a tale of um, the monster within, so settle back. It is time to begin. The camera zooms out to reveal that Hitch is standing next to a bidet with a shooting water into the air. Title card. At the end of the bidet, based on the short story, The Time I Pooped Out a Poop Monster by Mark Gonzalez. Interior, dorm room night. A very thin college kid named Mark lays in his depressing twin bed. Surely he will not continue to sleep in a twin bed after college, right? Hint, he totally will. Oh, Christ. Why did I eat that chinky food? I knew it was bad. Marcus sweating bullets. He rides in gastrointestinal pain. I just didn't think it was this bad. Turns, oh, oh, it feels like there's something pulling me apart from the inside. Mark tries to get out of his bed, but can't. I've got to get to the bathroom. This has to come out right now. This can't just be bad food. Maybe. <laughs> no, that, that can't be right. Right after my roommate found out that I had eaten his food last week, he cursed me. Is this a cursed? Is, is this a curse? <laughs> we do it a curse. <laughs> cursed to feel like I've got to poop? Oh, I've got to poop right now. Mark forces himself out of the bed and stumbles out to out of the room. He waddles like he's got a bowling ball in his stomach and pants full of poop. Interior hallway. The distance to the bathroom is unbelievable. It's got to be over 100 feet. Mark slowly walks down the hallway. He leans against the wall as he slowly closes the distance between himself and the bathroom. Mark stops just a few yards short of the door and catches his breath. Will he make it? Does he have the strength to continue on? Mark looks at his feet. Come on. We've got to get through that door. I'm not going to poop myself in the hallway like some monster. I'm going to poop like a man. On a toilet. Mark continues on bravely. Finally, he makes it to the bathroom door. His hand reaches for the doorknob. He tries to turn it, but it's locked. Mark bangs on the door. Occupado. Oh, come on. I got to dump out here, man. Well, I am currently in the middle of an act of dumping out, so mine takes priority. Have you ever had to take a horrendous dump? Because I have to take a horrendous dump. I'm almost done, brah. Just relax. Mark is dripping with sweat. His face is in a tight grimace. He's not going to make it. He's going to poop himself exactly like some kind of monster. He knows it's already too late. Without words, he conveys to the audience that he knows what is coming and is ashamed of himself. Sound effect of a toilet flushing. Mark is revitalized. He's only seconds away from relief. Sound effect of a faucet running. Mark is quickly becoming impatient again. He sees a pair of gym shoes outside a neighbor's door. He picks up one of the shoes and holds it just under where he his butthole would be. <laughs> He decides against pooping in a stranger's shoe and puts it back. Sound effect of a soap dispenser being pumped. I don't know if that's necessarily a universally recognized noise. (laughs) Mark starts banging on the door again. Come on, you're done in there. Sound effects of paper towels being torn and thrown away into the trash. Mark undoes his belt and gets ready to jump in there and poop. 
Sound effect of the faucet running again. What the hell are you doing? You already washed your hands. Wash, rinse, repeat. That shampoo, you dink. You do things your way, I do them mine. Sound effects of the paper towel is torn and thrown away again. The latch on the door is thrown. As soon as Mark hears the door unlock, he throws open the door and shoves the college kid out of the way. Huh. Chill out. Go to hell. Mark slams the bathroom door shut. The camera stays on the closed bathroom door. Oh. Whew. That's good. That's that's all right. Okay, we're fine. Oh, no. I pooped out a poop monster. Dramatic music plays. You know, Mark, we've... we've <laughs> We've always wanted, we've always highlighted this classic yarn <laughs> of the time you wrote a story about, about pooping, a poop pooping out of poop monster. Yeah. And now that the day is here, <laughs> I feel like it's all been worth it. The anticipation <laughs> level was so high, so and, high. and you've hit every single goal. <laughs> it's, the, what, it's, there's so many questions of morals <laughs> i mean you, technically you're the father of this poop monster right so what are you going to do with it it's a monster and technically you're also the monster that birthed it so is like is man the real monster is right. the poop monster raises a lot monster? of questions is and it, it ratchets up that tension as he struggles towards the door and he can't feel oh am i gonna poop out and yeah it's good he he delivered the poop monster in yeah. the exact right place now mark I have to ask, though, you know, television is business. What kind of audience are we seeing for this particular piece? If I had to guess, uh, I mean, it's an Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yes. Uh, Sunday nights, I think, usually, 8 o'clock. In, um, in the mid-50s? Mid-50s, I would think. Uh, 12-year-old boy. Okay. <laughs> That's, that sounds about right. This is actually... A vast improvement on the original short story, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> well, it's good. That short story was bad, but uh, it's good you were able to go back and and, and do a re-edit of yeah, the a retelling of the, this 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 gritty reboot of <laughs> the time I pooped out a poop monster. <laughs> and, and the direction I assume when you say the line, "Oh, I pooped that," I assume it's directly to camera. Oh no! I pooped out a poop monster. Well, no, you stay on the door. Oh. <laughs> then we hear the college kid banging. I didn't wash my hands enough. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Episodic Memories. I, th I hope everybody had a fun time discussing. Alfred Hitchcock um, presents Poop Monsters and Board Cops. Next time we will be watching an episode of the 1970s cop dramedy. No, no, he was a private investigator. No, well, he was dealing with like cops and stuff. Yeah, it's like it's like a detective, you know, kind of cop detective, but he's not a cop. He's a private investigator. Ooh, cop detective. Cop. Ooh. We're watching an episode of The Rockford Files starring James Garner. This time we will really be watching what we say. Season 1, episode 19, entitled Claire, which is available on streaming Netflix. We just fucking checked. So sit on it, jerks. Mark, is there anything else you'd like to say? Perhaps Poop Monster will return in 
the poop that loved me. Well, I mean, that was that was only Act One. Now, oh, oh, goodness! So you can imagine where the story goes from there. We need to do a Twilight Zone for Act Two, and mm-hmm. then an Outer Limits for Act Three. three. Yeah. Oh, goodness! Tell the whole tale. It must be told. <laughs> That's gonna do it. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>